0: Hello and welcome to Another Damn Conspiracy. I am Carl, woohoo, as usual, and I am joined by George, as usual. Hello. This is the show where we examine the world around us and try as fast as possible to escape it. And this week, god what a week we've had, it's um interesting, but what we're going to do is, we're going to do, the first half of the show is going to be like a normal show where we talk about technology and geeky gaming things and things like that, then we're going to have a little... Without, b- without mentioning... The thing. C word. Yes. <laughs> and then we're going to have a little bit of a musical break. And then after the break, we'll then go into discussion about what's happening in the world right now. So if you see, if you need to sort of escape the conversation about that and the discourse about that, I fully understand. And just, you know, we'll still have a bit of a show for you. So, yeah. How are you doing? It's been a... Well, this is the first episode of this year, how, how awful It is, is that... it is, because the
1: last one was our Christmas episode, wasn't it? Yes, Which it was. Which was uh, yeah. a while ago. I, I know, I appreciate that back then we, we promised we would record an episode about uh, Star Wars and uh, cats and uh, a few <laughs> other things like that, and um, for the avoidance of doubt, we totally recorded that episode, yeah. and it's just actually, it's just only available to all the people who've given us lots and lots of money. Yeah. And fortunately, there are no people who have given us lots and lots of money, so no one currently has access to it. Which is a real shame, because it's a fantastic episode that we
0: haven't actually yet recorded. I don't even have access to it, because I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to pay for it. Well, I mean, we haven't put any money into it. No, exactly, so we don't even have it. Um, (laughs) So yeah, this is episode 21 of the show, and we're recording this on the 26th of March 2020. Yeah, so I'm going to start off by talking about Disney. Um, Disney have launched their new streaming service, this week, earlier this week actually, um, called Disney Plus, and it's set to be their massive Netflix competitor. They're kind of betting a lot of money on this doing well.
1: I mean, when, when, when you think Disney, you immediately think cartoons, right? But it's not just cartoons because Disney has a massive catalogue of stuff that they've either produced themselves over the years, or bought.
0: That's mostly bought, to be fair, at this point. Sort of quick overview of the sort of content they've got on there, they've got... A lot of Disney animation and live action films, Pixar films, Marvel, Star Wars, um, some National Geographic stuff, and then some Fox shows that they've bought and kind of put on the service. And initial. Does, pa- does that include
1: like Simpsons and Futurama?
0: So Simpsons is on there, Futurama is not. Um, there's definitely a focus in this service to keep it more on the family friendly side. And sort of first impressions are that if you are a massive Disney fan or you have a young family, this is going to be a pretty good service um everything you expect from disney is there um all the animated films that they used to lock away and release only sporadically they're all on there and they're staying on there so that's pretty good if you are a fan of that
1: i i I certainly remember during the the 90s and the 2000s that you know they were re-releasing these dvds probably maybe two of the back catalogue films every year yeah and 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 it became almost a ritual to see which ones
0: they were going to release this time round, because you yeah. never bloody knew. And also, they would take some out-of-circulation at the same yeah. time. Um, so this is interesting, that the, the approach they're taking now is that everything's going to be available. Um, which I makes think that's
1: a more modern approach. I mean, that, that old approach was frustrating even back then, and now, with rivals out there. I mean, even BBC is putting stuff on <laughs> iPlayer Box. permanently now. Yeah. yeah, so, you know... The, <laughs> I kind of think they didn't have any choice, um, but I think it also makes makes for a better service. Well,
0: yeah. that's my opinion. I totally agree. Um, so it is very early days. I'm just looking at sort of the stuff they've got on there, and for now, like it is. There's a lot of stuff on there I've already seen, and most of us will have seen. Disney isn't exactly a niche brand, um, and the biggest kind of issue I think Disney have going forward is that yes, they've got an amazing back catalogue of work, but to have a streaming service that is viable you have to keep producing new content to go on to there um the thing about netflix is you can go on there and there's quite a wide variety of content for kids and adults and everybody in between and they are producing content quite regularly whereas disney plus hasn't launched with a lot of original content now there's some big hitters like the mandalorian which is the new star wars um tv show in that I have se-
1: to say I, I really can't wait to see that yeah but I'm worried that I'm not going to be able to see it unless I get Disney plus which will be a big disappointment it's exclusive
0: to that so yes um and like that is a big pull but otherwise there's not a huge amount of original content on there there's the things that stand out for me is that the um animation studios are making original short films for this service that are um which is quite good, so more experimental things than you would see in their feature length work. That is pretty interesting. Um, but other than that, in terms of original content, it is very lacking. Disney Plus is an interesting idea. The service itself works very well. It's clearly learned lessons from the other streaming services, but will it have a longevity in the market? Well, if it the new content rolls out like it has been doing, then probably not, because it did launch in America, back in, I think it was November. But we're still getting the content they launched with, like The Mandalorian, for example, came out episode by episode in America, but they're doing the same in the UK.
1: So Oh, so it won't just be a binge-worthy series they're going to no. f- drip-feed it in.
0: Yeah. Um, I think part of that is probably because they haven't got the content to keep people subscribed for longer than a month at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's sort of a basic lowdown of it. Good service. But you have to really love Disney otherwise, and have because there is actually quite a lot of, of obscure back catalogue films from like the, the history of Disney, which I find fascinating. But nobody's gonna watch like um, <laughs> the computer that wore Tan issues or that damn cat or one of our dinosaurs is missing. People aren't gonna watch those films. Wait, I watched that film as a kid. But would you would you pay five ninety nine a month to Disney for the privilege of watching that? It's, no, no. I'd, I'd pay
1: two quid in CEX for a DVD.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So that's their, um, that's their biggest problem going forward. But so far, it's one of those things that I've, I think we should definitely like, kind of catch up with in a year's time and see where it has gone.
1: But um, yeah. Disney do own um, other broadcasting, uh, I suppose you could call them brands, really, um, over in the States. I, I, I mean, presumably there's content there. Is that not going to be part of um, the Disney Plus service? Well, that's the thing. Is, it's, that, is, it... is that outwith that very narrow brand that it's going yeah. for?
0: That's the thing, is that there is some Fox content on there. So, for example, Avatar, which is getting a new set of films relatively soon. The first oh, one God. is on Disney+. Plus. Um, but the Fox stuff is sporadic. And also, it isn't grouped together like any of the other stuff so you have to kind of go through. You can't just click on Disney or Pixar. You have to go through search and then find the category or the genre you want to watch it in. And then there might be a few Fox pieces in those categories but it's not exactly forefront of the service. The forefront of the service is the Marvel and the animated films and things like that. They also have um, ESPN, which is a big, big sports network. Um, Is any of that coming? No, so in America, what they're doing is they've got Hulu that they also own, which is having the more adult content on, and then they've got ESPN, which is a separate service, and you can buy a bundle that has all three in. Okay. (laughs) Um, But that's not coming over here in the same way.
1: Well, presumably the rights to the sports is, is already contracted out I, to Eurosport and the like and BT I presume and Sky so, yeah. over here. But um, Hulu is a bit more interesting. I mean, is that not a service you can get in the UK?
0: No it isn't, no. Um, so when I'm evaluating Disney Plus, I'm very much evaluating it based on what you can get in the UK and so far it's you know It's okay. It's got a very good selection, but you are going to run out of that stuff that you're interested in very quickly. Unless you want to watch very obscure 90s Disney Channel movies, (laughs) you're going to run out of stuff. Um, So I think, yeah, in the future, for them to be successful, they need to integrate more of their sort of areas of the company. And they also, like, if they're going to be serious with streaming, if they're going to be a Netflix competitor. They need to start thinking. Like Netflix is as big as it is because they don't do theatrical releases and television. They solely concentrate on the one thing. And I think it's going to be interesting to see Disney, how they change their like theatrical releases and their television stuff and things like that because it's going to have to change in order for Disney Plus to be meaningful. Otherwise, it's just going to be another place for them to put films once they've been in the cinema. But we've already got plenty of those.
1: I feel like that's maybe a significant set of differences between the different services. If yeah. you have Netflix, you know that it's purely an online streaming service and they release Netflix-only content on there, some of which, you know, has, has ended up winning Oscars. So that's quite serious content they're putting out. Mm. And then if you look at Amazon Prime, that's a different appeal because if you get Amazon Prime, it's not just about Prime Video, it's a sort of package of, of all sorts of other stuff. Um and, and that's kind of, a, it's not a pure streaming service like Netflix, nor is it a sort of back catalogue like Disney+, Plus. it's a mm-hmm. whole package of other, you know, delivery services and all this kind of crap, yeah. which, and, and when, you, when you're choosing Prime, you're choosing not only the video service, but all the other stuff that you yeah. get with, with Prime, whereas Disney Plus is neither, it doesn't have either unique appeal. And, I mean, is that going to be a big problem for them? I, 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 know, I know that if you buy Eurosport Player, the appeal is you're getting live content. Were the cycling season, for instance, going ahead, I would be able to watch bike races every, every day, more or less, and they would be absolutely up-to-date, live, yeah. live-streamed. Well, again, that's not something that Disney is offering here. So is, is there a lack of a, some sort of USP there?
0: I think I think their USP for the product is this is all, everything Disney in one place for one price. Um I mean do, do you think that they've gone with such a tight angle on making it
1: child and family friendly that that is in a sense their USP? That is um like Netflix for kids or Netflix it, for families. Yeah,
0: it's definitely they're going for that Netflix Netflix for families angle. Um But Netflix does offer Netflix kids. If you've got a family Mm. account, you can lock an account down so that it's just the kids' content. That is possible. Um, It's a good job, because some of the stuff on Netflix is (laughs) fucking
1: gory. Jesus Christ, I watched the first episode of Castlevania a couple (laughs) of days ago, and it, oh my God, it's blood sloshing around all over the place. It's horrendous.
0: I mean, Disney have seen that and gone, we can do something very family-friendly that families will like. Two shows I can recommend. I've not seen The Mandalorian yet. I'm kind of waiting until they're all out so i can't really review that but the animated short films that pixar have made some called spark shorts and the Walt disney animation studios have done one called short circuit and they're sets of like more experimental films that they've made where um where smaller teams get together to make small films within the studios and they're all like if you're a fan of animation they're very interesting and there are quite a big variety of films and all the films are, like five or six minutes each so they're quite easy to sort of binge watch through them i recommend them and then the second original thing i recommend is a documentary series called the imagineering story and what it is it's a it's a history of the disney theme parks and the people that designed them from like the original disneyland up to the present day uh, but that's disney plus um there we go we'll um come back to it in about probably about a year's time and see how it how it's doing it'll be interesting to see it's yeah, matured yeah yeah
1: so I think now um, there's been another big release uh, this week um, which if you are interested in Nintendo or you are using online streaming services for games or uh, you're just even looking at video game news in general you cannot escape the fact that Animal Crossing has now been released and no. it is everywhere, it is like a plague.
0: It is, it's an interesting one, like um, the sales figures aren't through yet but it's been like number one in the UK games chart, and it's the like they're saying it's the second biggest Switch release ever after the po- after. the Pokemon games. Mm. Um, but the Pokemon games are two games that they sell at the same time in the same world, and that series has like hardcore collectors that buy both versions of the game, even though there's minor differences between the two of them. Um, so for Animal Crossing to do that, that is very impressive. That like, it's the biggest launch in that series history by a considerable margin.
1: I mean, it's only it's only been out for a few days now, yeah. right? And and I mean, it's exploded, and and yeah. I have seen a, a fair chunk of advertising for it, so I yeah. think the Nintendo have have really tried to go out, go all out on it, on making it a hit. But the question is, how's the game?
0: Yeah, what puts what puts things into perspective for me is that um, it, there was a news article the other day saying that the Nintendo Switch in Japan has sold more units than the Nintendo Wii did in Japan. That's how well the Switch is doing. There's something on well, like there's something like fifty plus million units of co- like sold so far. Oh my god! And then that's in three years of the console's life, whereas the Wii.
1: I'd love to know how many people have bought Switches just to play Animal Crossing.
0: It'll be because fascinating it,
1: because you you do find that when big release games come out, there is an impact on the sales of consoles because oh, definitely. people want to play that one specific yeah. game.
0: So this series, for people who don't know, it's a kind of life simulation game. You turn up. In a... Usually it's a village. In this game, you turn up on a remote island with nothing there, and you've got to forage for, like, fruit and bugs and fish, and you've got to build your house um, and build... You fucking don't. You've got to repay the fucking human trafficker, known as Nook,
1: (laughs) who is fucking... (laughs) Who who you... You arrive at the island owing a shitload of money because he fucking trafficked you to some fucking poxy little stinky island in the middle of fuck all nowhere and told you, work, slave, work. And that's the start of all of the Animal Crossing games.
0: It's fucked up, man. I don't think that's Nintendo's official synopsis of the game. Um, <laughs> but basically, yeah, you are starting a life from scratch in this virtual world. And f- it's an interesting series because f- for most people there's not there's not enough to do in the game. They don't see the point of it. But for me, kind of escape from reality where you are... It's the, mund- like the mundane tasks kind of make the game. So you are collecting fruit. You are sort of... Yes, you're having to pay off loans and things like that, but it's not like real life where it's like a mortgage is unattainable thing that you can't afford. It's like, oh no, if I just catch this amount of fish and if I just get this amount of fruit, I'll be able to pay off that loan by selling this and selling that. And so there's this kind of like... Yes, it means...
1: It is a bit aspirational, isn't it? But the, the mundanity is something that horrifies me. I played a lot of Animal Crossing on DS, mm. and eventually I got fed up of it yeah. because I was getting to the point where I was like, oh my God, I have to chop the weeds. Oh my God, I have to shake the trees for the fruit. Oh my God. And it, became, it actually became stressful. And, and I wasn't expecting it, but when I logged on uh, and, and, and started watching a stream of someone who was just starting out playing Animal Crossing, I found myself immediately feeling almost nauseous about it because because I was I was getting that stressful feeling again like oh my god orange trees oh my god fish oh my god fossils oh my god and I I I don't know I don't think I could ever play it
2: just because
1: I feel so scarred by playing the (laughs) DS version as much as I did but but then I know that you've played a load of Animal Crossing not just the DS one but also the 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 more recent one was it on the Wii
0: um, I've played the Wii 1, the DS1, the 3DS one. I've put a lot of time into that series. Mm, mm. Um, yeah. And yet
1: you're not you're not finding that same experience. So uh, obviously the game suits some people better than others.
0: yeah. I mean, I completely agree if you have got that kind of um, tendency to want to do everything and kind of get a panic on if you can't do it all. Um, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, a, absolutely which is a legitimate like issue um, that don't play this game. Do not, because it, it, <laughs> it does encourage compulsive behaviour. <laughs> um, but for me, what Animal Crossing has always been is like... An it's ast- still not as bad as Tetris. No, that's very true. Do, Nothing's do, as bad as Tetris. No, we we have a, had a massive addiction to Tetris um, <laughs> back in the day, um, of which we won't speak of. But um, for me, it's always been that kind of game of I've, I've had a hard day, I'll put it on, it's a little bit of escapism, I can listen to like... A podcast or some watch some TV at the same time as doing it, and bit by bit you build up this town, um, and it feels like you're doing something construct like creative and constructive, but it's still a very kind of relaxing game because the the way the game is presented, it's very cutesy visuals and it's got quite calm music and things like that, and so for me, it's always been a bit of an escapist kind of game, uh, and this game. Is more of the same in that regard. Um the things that they do change is they've added crafting to the game so you can craft a lot of the things rather than just buy them. Um there's still the old systems of buying products for your town and your house. Um but they've added the crafting and you can also place things outside now and completely like adjust the like landscape of where you are living so you can terraform all the different bits of land. So Whereas in the old games you moved into a town that already existed, in this game you can kind of make it your own, right down to the street, like what the streets look like and where the houses are placed. Like you place other people's houses this time. It's not they don't just randomly populate. Um, so Thank if, God. so for me, like the game is, like has advanced the series on quite meaningfully. Mm. But it is still the core Animal Crossing experience. So if you want a relaxing game where you can do a few mundane tasks and feel like you've achieved something at the end of the day, it's perfect. And for me, it's always going to be my relaxation, kind of happy place kind of game when I don't want to do something too stressful. Um, So yeah, Animal Crossing, really enjoying it. But it's not going to be for everyone. And I think with the popularity of this new title, it's going to be very interesting to see how people kind of deal with it. Because for me, I'm a very kind of... deep into this series now. I've played every game in the series. Um, I've put thousands of hours into it, which is crazy when you think about it, over oh, the course of all of them. Um, but it's
1: that sort of game. I mean, it really is. Yeah, it, it, You can all, you can play Animal Crossing and, and be watching YouTube videos at the same time, Yeah, because you're not missing out on sort of vital plot points that will completely fuck the rest of the game if you don't know what's going on. Exactly, yeah. It's not that kind of thing. But you can multitask and... and in a sense, that's, again, part of the winding down process that you can use Animal Crossing for.
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, I only play about, like, half... Like At the moment, obviously, because I've just got the game, I'm p- putting a lot more time into it, but with the 3DS version, after a while, I maybe only play it for half an hour a day or, like, 20 minutes in the morning, but it would become this kind of zen place that I could go to when the real world seemed a little bit too stressful and you just, it's idealistic and it's aspirational and it's it's... A nice place to escape to, um, which we all do need. But yeah, Animal Crossing—it's really good. It's the best in the series so far. Um, I'm. Oh, lo- that's
1: that's very high praise.
0: Yeah, and I'm I... loving it so far. But with the caveat of it isn't for everybody. So uh, the best thing about Animal Crossing um, New Horizons is that um it is getting so much coverage on YouTube and on Twitch and places like that. If you think this is something you're interested in, go watch a live stream or like a YouTube video. Oh, absolutely. Because um, yep. there's so many of them out there, and if you like what you see. Then yeah, it's guaranteed you'll enjoy it. But if you don't, stay away. Stay far away.
1: <laughs> I have to say, it is it is rewarding because um, if you play it for a long time, there are lots of elements of uh, collecting things. Mm. And um, I think for, for complete you know completionists or completists, or whatever you call them, mm. completionists, yeah, completionists. There's a lot to do there, and and that provides the game with a lot of um, a lot of late game playthrough. You know, collecting all the butterflies, all the fish, all the fossils, all the this, that, and the other. If you want to do that stuff, you can, Hmm. and it doesn't require a
0: massive commitment. It just requires a little bit every day, and that's kind of fun. So the last thing I've got to sort of talk about today is the arcade club in Leeds. Now, I was back in Leeds, hometown, um, last month. Last month, geez, this has been a long month. Yeah, it was last (laughs) month, Um, and I went to the arcade club in Leeds. Now, for people who don't know what that is. Um, this there was one in Bury beforehand, and it's a modern arcade where they have one floor that has modern machines in VR, um, high-end gaming machines, things like that. And then they've got new arcade games that are like in the Japanese arcades now, and the they're not over here for the most part. There's like, for example, House of the Dead. There's a brand new one of them in Japan that they have brought over for this arcade. And then there's also retro arcade rooms. So there's '90s arcade machines, racing games, motion simulator games. Um, Have they got any old consoles? Rhythm games, not consoles, no. But the rhythm games, and then they've got like the classics, like '70s and '80s. So they've got like an old Pong machine, and Tempest, and Do- um, Donkey Kong, and Pac Man, and Cuba and things like that. And then they've got a lot of Light Gun games, ranging from, as I said, the latest. House of the Dead game to like, they've got the original House of the Dead game as well, like, and everything in between. They've got a fighting game section as well, so you can play like Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat on the actual arcade machines. And what makes this such a unique experience as well is that you pay £16 to get in and you get access for the entire day. So once you're in, you're in. And all the machines are free, so they don't cost you any money. Because typically in an arcade, you put a lot of money into a machine to be able to play. Whereas in this one, it's like free. So you go in, you pay a ticket, and then the machines themselves don't cost anything. And what I love is that it's everything from the 70s right up to present day. Um, there's no video game consoles there, but what it has is the actual arcade machines on their original hardware. Um, and they have a team that maintains that hardware. So everything's in working order and it's all pristine and like there's some Sega motion control games and Sega racing games where you sit in the car and actually control it with a wheel and things like that. And what the brilliant thing about it is, it's the entire history of video games in the arcade in one building, mm. um, which is fascinating. Um, and the best thing of all well is that is on Friday nights and Thursdays. Um, they do an adults-only. Um, it's like an adults-only session, so you can go and play these games as much as you can. They've got food and drink there, so you can buy a pint and play some arcade games and things like that. And actually, the prices are really affordable. I think it's like three fifty for a cider, which is cheaper than most bars up in Newcastle, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can play some games, have a, some food and drink, and, and see a side of gaming you don't really see because it's like, yes, you can emulate arcade games at home, and there's been re-releases of arcade games, but it's not the same as having the actual hardware, especially with games like the racing games that have a wheel rather than a controller, or the rhythm games where, like, there was one game where there a set of, like, buttons that had, like, little LEDs in, and they light up to the, kind of, colours of the music, and you had to, kind of, move your hands around this massive pad. It looked a little bit like those, um, like, um, MIDI pads you can get for, like, doing music with, and it uh- was and it was, like... And the faster you got, the quicker you had to sort of move your hands around the pad. And those are the sort of experiences. And there's like, oh, there's a Taiko Drum Master, which is a massive Taiko drum and a massive like um, wooden stick that you hit on the drum to the tune of the music and stuff like that. You can't get at the home. You can get a approximation of it, but it's not the original hardware. Um, same with like Donkey Kong and like. Um, they had Tempest, which, yeah, Tempest was here. I really like Tempest. That's quite a fun game. Space Invaders. the The controls on those games are very different to what a modern controller is like. So it's a very different experience, and that's that's the amazing thing about arcade for me. Is like, yes, yeah, sixteen pound might seem a lot, seem like a lot to begin with. But I I went twice over the weekend and spent probably like four or five hours each time. Um, the only issue with it actually is if you have like. If you have sensitive hearing, I would definitely bring earplugs because it's very loud with that mm. many arcade machines and that many people around. It's a very loud experience. Um, so that's something I'd like highly recommend people do. Um, but yeah, it's just... If you love video games and you want to experience the entire history of video games in one building, um, and aside of video games, we don't really get to experience these days that often. Like... Some of my favorites are about like the racing games and actually having the pedal and the steering and the brake and having to like play Mario Kart this arcade version of Mario Kart and playing that with like another like a couple of other people next year is just fantastic. And like, um, so like so I highly highly recommend arcade club uh, when it reopens and yeah.
1: um, and how does it compare to for instance I know that a lot of game shops now are offering and their belong service and and the idea there is that you have a bank of computers and you can play pvp in the same room in teams in leagues now that's a very different thing but is it offering the same service of face-to-face gaming with friends but instead of modern games it's offering arcade games from the past Is, Is is it a comparable service but also is it is it similarly good
0: I think I think it's I think it's a lot better, but I think it's it's a very different experience. What Belong is doing is offering multiplayer games that you can buy in the home. And mm. and you can actually replicate the experience quite well if you've got a decent internet connection and a decent computer, you can do that at home. What Arcade Club is doing, it's not just games from the past, there is modern games in there as well. Like the House of the Dead, um I can't remember which number it is, but the latest House of the Dead game. But what they're offering is a social environment to do it. You can drink, you can eat food, you can play the games. But it's something you can't get home. It's something you can't replicate over the internet. And also, these games were designed to be played in the same room with other people. So, for example, they had like from the nineties, they had the Simpsons arcade machine, which is like a brawler game, where you go along the screen, <laughs> go along the screen, beat up everybody, then walk away. But the actual arcade machine is a massive TV set that looks like the one from the Simpsons. <laughs> um, but the tv set's much bigger than a normal tv set and four of you have your own controls and you sit down on a chair in front of the tv and you each control one of the simpsons characters and that's an experience you can't get at home and there's games where like some of the sega games where they're actual motion control rigs so you're, like you're in afterburn you're in an aircraft and you're flying but it's on the mo the actual arcade machines a seat inside like a motion control rig so you're in there Fighting and when you pull the controller up, the plane goes up, but so do you, like, your chair gets tilted back, and that sort That's of stuff. That's amazing. That is stuff you can't get at home. So, actually, Belong isn't comparable. This is a very different experience. And it's got something for everybody. Like, um, it's got stuff for kids. It's got like the VR and the modern stuff upstairs. And it, um, but it's got these experiences you can't get anywhere else. So I, I highly recommend it because it is such a unique thing. There is a repli- You can replicate arcade games, but you cannot replicate that experience. I feel, and mm. that's what I. So, is- so
1: the experience is really important here. Yeah. It's not it's not just about the the history of the games and the variety of the machines they have it's also the experience of going and doing it. And and in a sense that's that I think is why we still go to the cinema rather than just watch at home. Yeah. It's about an experience isn't it?
0: Oh totally. And that's what that's what with the arcade club they've done they've built this experience around these games that people love. And it's the same with cinema. Cinema won't die because people will want to go for the experience of cinema. But you can what, play games at home. You can play these games at home. They're not going to be the same and neither is watching a film at home. It's, I'm not saying it's not a valid experience, it's just a different one. Mm. And I think our clay Club is a, a place for this kind of um, experience in the world, a more tactile gaming experience, especially with everything going online. It's actually quite a nice break from all that, going to a physical arcade with your friends and like playing a fighting game and beating the shit out of your friend in person. It's quite. It's actually quite <laughs> satisfying. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I think this concludes our uh, first half of our podcast. We'll have a musical break now, and then when we come back, of course, we'll start discussing uh, rather more uh, unpleasant things. Yeah. But um, we but... are a current affairs as well as a media podcast, and we, there's things we really want to be talking about. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, but thanks everybody who, if you if you're leaving the show now, thanks for listening. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Damn Conspiracy. And if you've got any topics you'd like us to discuss, or your own opinions on the things around you uh, please email us our email is another damn conspiracy at protonmail.com um i'd love it if um people could sort of email in their kind of opinions on things because I, I, as much as i like talking to you um george it's still it'd be nice if we can hear for some of the listeners as well um absolutely but, but yeah for now we're going to go for a little bit of a musical break uh, the music is by free dogs um Please download their album off Bandcamp. I love their stuff, not just because they're a friend, but their music's pretty good too. Um, And we'll have a little bit of a musical break and we'll be back after this. Woo! Music!
2: Woo! 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 Music! Music! First thing in the morning, my brain starts forming every reason to stay in bed. Every morning I start discerning the words that my parents said. They said, never eat in bed. And don't trust the government. Let us know when you've done something wrong. Play well but work hard. And for the love of God, don't put us in your stupid song.
1: folks that was free dogs and you are joining us for the second half of our podcast we are going to be now talking about slightly serious topic of coronavirus um and that really is going to be through till the end of the podcast now so one second sorry Sorry. you see that that cat does not want to listen to coronavirus
0: no that cat is really pissed off one second
1: (laughs) and if if you are like the cat and do not want to listen turn off now tune in next time Okay, so, I mean, we can kick off, um, I guess, what we're going to say about the virus by talking about how we are finding it ourselves. Um, we have kind of different jobs. I can't work from home, no. but you can. Yeah. So, I, I mean, is that what you're required to do
0: now? Yeah. Um, I think since last week, so this, is, this will be my second week working from home. Um, I'm in okay, the...
1: and how are you finding it?
0: It's very weird. I, I'm I'm very grateful. Like, I'm still... Getting paid properly. um, I still have work to do. I know there's so many people out there, including a lot of good friends, who are going to find themselves possibly out of work for a long period of time, and it's it's awful. Um, So you know, I'm I'm very grateful for that. Um, But it's a very strange situation. It's. like working from home is something I've always tried to avoid doing, like I've always tried to have a good work life balance, but now mm. life has kind of taken a standstill for most people because you know, it's such a crazy um situation that, like we of which we've never seen before
1: um are you still finding a way of keeping work and and home life separate
0: it's it's very difficult um and I'm not complaining. Like I'm very lucky that I have the opportunity to do it, but it's like it's all kind of like thrown into this one big pot of like you try and def- like you try your best to break the time up, and you know once work's mm. finished, you try and stick to the same hours. But it's you don't have the de-stressing time. You don't have the time it takes between getting from work to home where you can kind of wind down. It's kind of you are in doors for most of the time you are working from home and then you don't have the time to de-stress so I think that's one thing a lot of people are struggling, not not just myself but a, a lot of people are struggling with their that, that mental health um, and main, like, maintaining normality is hard enough when you have wobbly mental health to begin with um, what is normality even um, and this situation is <laughs> obviously you've got the news cycle which is disgusting and awful and anxiety inducing on a good day Um, but obviously with this it's an ongoing situation around the world and different countries are at different stages of this so you get a lot of that news combined with the fact that we have to stay indoors for the most part combined with like for me it is having to work from home and it's a very different atmosphere for a lot of people it's do I have work to do after this that's a completely different worry and anxiety and mixing all this together is
1: uh, absolutely, I, I think we'll come on to that um, uh, in a little bit because mm. um, obviously there's, a, there's a lot to say. Um, but I think it's important to remember that uh, time and place are what gives us um, distance between our work and our, and our home lives. And mm-hmm. you know, okay, you can still try and, and, and keep the element of time and, and say that you're going to stick to your original hours, but you know, it's much harder to get that sense of a change of place. And if you're having to work, from your your flat or from even from your room if you're in a shared flat perhaps if you have if you're fortunate enough to have a, a place where you live with an office maybe then you can get some distinction in, in terms of place but even still that's not easy um, and uh, I, I know with regards to the news cycle a lot of people have said try and set aside some time every day when you look at the news but then outside of that time, don't look at the news. Yeah, um, I, I've seen a few people recommending that, uh, people with connections to mental health charities. And uh, I know a few people who are actually doing it. And as far as I can tell, they find it helpful. Yeah. But I, it, it, I imagine if you were going to do that, you would have to think quite carefully about when that time of day was going to be. Because yeah. perhaps you don't want to do it last thing at night no. because then you won't sleep. But then maybe you don't want to do it first thing in the morning because, you know, that's going to spoil your day. So when do you do it? And and not only that, but then um, for how long do you do it? And yeah. how does that affect the way that you previously lived? Uh, lots of people check their phone almost as the first thing they do in a day. Yeah, And they might check it just before they go to bed. You know, workaholics will certainly be looking at their emails last thing before bed. So it's not easy. And, and you know, there is help out there for, for mental health, and there is lots of advice out there, fortunately. But that doesn't necessarily... Change the fact that it's a difficult time for people. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, from my point of view, I can't work uh, from home. It's not possible. So uh, for me, I am now simply waiting for the government to give us the green light to, to, to start again. And yeah. um, we don't know when that's going to be. Um, it's probably going to be Months. If we look abroad, realistically speaking, it's going to be like this for months. One month, two months, three months, even longer, who knows? And I appreciate that there is some science that's saying that over the summer, things will get better and then it will get worse again over the winter. So who knows, perhaps we're going to open everything up again in the summertime and then simply find that we are having to close down again for the winter next year. And and if that's the case, uh, who knows, maybe we'll be better prepared next time round. But um, I think that's one of the hardest things about this is not knowing how long it's going to go on for exactly, yeah. only having a vague sense that it's going it's going to go the distance, um,
0: and that's difficult. That's very difficult. Yeah. It's difficult for everybody to plan around something that's so uncertain, and and we're not prepared for this in this country. We're not prepared in terms of like health provision because for so long the Tories have been underfunding the NHS, and now it's a, a crisis point and we don't have the resources that we need to like deal with this situation then there's their resp- like the actual official response as well was so vague and not really much of a response to begin with and so that has already like planted the seed of uncertainty in people's minds in addition to like the fact that because this is like a very new strain of a uh, virus that we don't have a vaccine for, um, you know, and we don't know when that will occur. It's it, it's a massive pile of uncertainty. Um, so knowing knowing what's going to happen and knowing how long it's going to last, like, um, I know with my work, a lot of this stuff has gone fully online, um, and they're doing their best, but is that like workable long term? It, it's it's difficult.
1: I think it's going to be like that for a lot of people's work. You know, we're not used to working from home. It's not part of our culture, and and now that we suddenly have to start doing it in industries and places where we really thought it just never would happen. Yeah, are we still going to be productive in the same way? Probably not. No, I, I, There's going to have to be changes to adjust to that. There are some workplaces where working from home is entirely doable, um, and I suspect the challenge isn't going to be getting set up and getting used to working from home. Just that you're going to have to do it so much. Yeah. It's not like you're working on, from home on a Friday. You're working from home every day now. Anyway, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to wait and see how that, how that pans out. Um, mm. And I, I just also wanted to talk about some of the ridiculous rumours and some <laughs> of the things you've seen on social media that have been going around because... You know, I, I, I've i seen faked videos of tanks on motorways. I'm sure quite oh, a lot of yeah. people saw that. I've seen fake reports of the army being deployed. And uh, certainly last week, I was hearing every single day the army's being deployed tonight. And then the next day, oh, it's tonight. And then the next day, oh, it's tonight. And of course, it's never bloody happened. No, certainly, there are preparations for the army to help out if necessary. But there is absolutely not... There's yeah. absolutely no truth to these things, and you you hear these stories, and they snowball about all oh, my friends a doctor, or my friends in the council, or my friend is this or that in the army or in the, the yeah. NHS, and all this kind of stuff. And you think, well, how much of this is true? It's impossible to know.
0: I think like a, a massive like issue with this entire thing is that people haven't taken it too seriously, um, even when it was going like a, like. Like, they're having massive problems in China, for example. Like, a lot of this country was like, well, it, you know, it won't happen to us. or oh, it's, it's in China. It's mm. far away. It doesn't matter. Um, and that's uh, its whole kind of own issue. Um, but the problem is with all this kind of, like, just junk news and, like, fake right. shit on the internet it's hard to decipher what is important and what's not. And I think it is actually leading to a lot of complacency because it is an issue. It is a very serious issue that we need to take seriously. But when like every other day the army is getting deployed you know, on Twitter, yeah. it's, um, it's, it's hard to take it very seriously. Um, I, I feel like the
1: government hasn't helped here. I mean, they, they haven't laid out any sort of strategy for the long term. No. Perhaps they don't have one, or perhaps they do. It's it's impossible to tell. But they certainly haven't been clear enough no. so that people know what's going on. And that, I think, has allowed rumours to swell and to yeah. circulate. But, um, and, and, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a difficult position that the government finds itself in because how do you respond to something so serious? Um, and I would like to think that we have a competent government, but I'm not sure that that's true. Um, and I personally think that the government has been very slow off the mark um, and has been embracing policies now, which realistically should have been embraced probably years years previously. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, and, and now we see Boris standing up on a podium every single day talking about protecting the NHS. And yet he has, he and and his party have spent the last 10 years running it into the ground. Well, now, Boris, do you understand why it shouldn't have been run into the ground? Yeah. Uh, the police service is hideously stretched it's unreal how stretched those guys are Mm. and yet they're already dealing with sicknesses because they have vulnerable staff they have staff with vulnerable family members and they themselves are getting sick now if they're going to get stretched in that way well what's going to happen next if our if our if our doctors if our nurses if our police force are all
0: going off sick how are we going to cope i think it very much is high it highlights very clearly what the issues we have in this country are because it, it, like it was only weeks or months ago where people were talking about unskilled labor and unskilled people and suddenly a lot of those people that were deemed unskilled or low-paid you know not important they're keeping society kind of held together
1: absolutely these delivery drivers that people have been talking about who are part of this this gig economy where they don't have any fixed employment now find themselves hideously unemployed and Certainly at the time of recording now, we still don't have government's concrete plans about what they're going to do for self-employed people. They've, they've sort of unveiled a vague plan and, okay, that's nice, but we don't have the details. No. It's brand new. And we're talking about this coming, what, uh, almost a week after um, employed people have been look, uh, looked after. Yeah. And, I, and I know from my own experience that the government's information about what it's giving to employed people is still so vague that many businesses are unable to provide concrete commitments to their employees. Yeah, I mean, it's only going to be worse for self-employed people because they're going to have to navigate the government's incompetence themselves.
0: The situation's already confusing and it's already painful for a lot of people and the government who should be the ones who help guide the country in times of need like this are, are, are more clueless than we are. And like you have, like for example when they announced they were gonna go for a herd immunity strategy where they just oh let gosh. everybody get ill and then hope for the best. That was a legitimate strategy for at least a week and at that that's at the point where we should have been having serious discussions straight away. Not acting like we can just you know, blitz spirit this out of a out of the fucking way and it's like it's not that's not how it works. It's um it's sort of got a hideous stench of eugenics about it as well. Yeah. If everyone
1: catches it, the old and the weak will die off, and we'll the people left will be immune now. And all of a sudden, we've solved our problem, which is which mm. shows a real disregard for the value of human life. And I mean that was coming from Dominic Cummings and 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 his creepy weirdos who are pulling Boris's strings. And I really, I just find it so distasteful that they don't care about the lives of, of their own elderly relatives and their own family and their own friends yeah. who might be ill through other conditions. Do you not care? Do you not value their existence?
0: Apparently not. Yeah, especially because, like, we're not the first country to have issues.
1: Absolutely not. We wanna, we're, we're, we're way behind even Italy. And I mean, Italy is already way behind China. We, we've had months to get to this stage to see what's happened
0: abroad. Where is the response? For some people, it will be too too little too late. Absolutely. For, for, for me, I know personally, like, I'm going to be fine. I have the privilege of being able to work from home and stay indoors and look after myself. But there's a lot of people that won't have that. There's a lot of people who are going to die. And a lot of people who are going to die who wouldn't have died if the government had started planning sooner.
1: We hear about this crisis about a lack of ventilators. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but China was dealing with this problem using ventilators months ago. Months ago. Yeah. And only now are we starting to think, oh, wait, we don't have enough. Well, why the hell don't we have enough? Yeah. What has the government been doing? They're meant to be looking after us. That's why we elect people.
0: It just shows the lack, the disregard these people have for the country. There, there is... like, But both both for our lives and for our livelihoods. Yeah. The, the virus doesn't give a shit about what political party you vote for or what age you are or everything like that. It is going to affect people in different ways and it is going to affect people regardless of what the government do. The problem is they had time to start formulating plans and their plan for a while, long time was just to fucking ignore it and hope we build an immunity to it. And then... Suddenly, oh, we've got some new science in, it and that's not going to work. Well, bullshit. That's not new science. You didn't Far have, from new science. Like, you didn't have to be following the news that carefully to realize that. Well, there's other countries that have gone through this and going through this now and work. You know, let's see how they I, I
1: I think one of the biggest ironies of this whole thing is that Cummings, Dominic Cummings, has come out and said, "Oh, he hates the civil service. He wants to reform it. He wants to chop large parts of it. Change large parts of it." Well, now the government is now actually being directed by those, self, those self-same men in grey suits who formed a civil service, which hmm. Cummings hates, and now that we're getting actually some intelligent information and some intelligent decision-making, guess what? It's boring civil servants and boring experts, yeah. both of whom have been vilified by the government that we have now. Mm-hmm. Well, if the government is incapable of formulating a strategy which is demonstrated, then it's going to have to fall back on these people. Yeah. And guess what? These people are correct and knowledgeable. And it's just so frustrating that we've had a campaign of Brexit over the past four, or four years now, is it? Oh, this thing's been going on for... unbelievable. And all of a sudden, it, fall, it just pales into insignificance. And what you see is how ridiculous the government has been throughout the entire process. And the fact that they haven't, they've not they have refused to cancel the Brexit negotiations and postpone Brexit until coronavirus is dealt with just shows that even now they're still utterly, utterly committed to some sort of ridiculous no deal that's going to cause huge damage to us. Yeah. And it was in the news today that the government's refusing to participate in an EU scheme to bulk buy ventilators. Yeah. Well, guess what? We don't have ventilators. Why are you being so obstinate and stubborn over some ridiculous ideological... Dogma against the EU. Come on, let's band together. Let's work together. Let's sort this problem out. This is exactly why we need to cooperate. Italy must have lessons to teach us. They must know things that we don't. Look at how bad it has gotten there. They mm. must understand it's better than we do. Why are we not understanding the problem by asking them what is going on there? Because in a few weeks' time, we are going to be in the same situation.
0: It really highlights, and I, I, I've thought of this for a very long time. Like. This country has an arrogance about its past achievements, of which, if you if you studied history at all, you can the, the achievements aren't anything to fucking gloat about. Like a lot of our achievements are cruel. It's just horrible stuff. But there's this arrogance that we're the best country. Like we had the British Empire, we had this, we had that. We're exceptional. This this like British exceptionalism is is this, turning into an arrogance of, like, oh, we can do it, we can survive on our own, but the problem is this is a global issue and we should be solving it as a global community. Like, regardless mm. of EU or, you know, political boundaries, this is this this virus does not give a shit about political boundaries. And I, mean, yet I hate to say this, but
1: this virus is considerably more important than fucking exactly.
0: Brexit. And, and the thing is, there's a lot of companies who are trying to make money out of this situation. There's a lot of people who are still towing these no, we'll do it on our own, but it's like, well, it's a ventilator. It doesn't matter if we helped, you know, if we worked with the EU to get them. This isn't about Brexit. This is about not having people die because there's a lack of ventilators. It's, it's, it's I... uh, You know, what, 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 what
1: you go back to saying about this British exceptionalism, I really hope that one of the consequences of this outbreak, when we're through it, and, you know, we really hope we do get through it, once we're through it, people start to see the value of some of the things that we have and, and, and stop being complacent about the NHS, stop being yeah. complacent about you know, uh, our position in the world, stop being complacent, stop being arrogant and start being grateful and start appreciating the things that we really, really actually need but that we are neglecting through ideological stupidity. Yeah. I, 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 I think that it will be so major that people will have to change the way they think I mean, if, if you look at what happened after the World Wars, people were more compassionate and they were more understanding that there was this great leveller that really affected everyone in all parts of their lives. And from those tragedies came things like the NHS. And I, and I hope that we, maybe not quite as extreme, but I hope that we do regain some of that attitude of, you know, we should look after each other yeah. as, a, as a people. Anyway, I, I I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff about um, Prince Charles possibly receiving special treatment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what you think about that, but uh, certainly he was able to get a test um, when uh, it was discovered that he was feeling a bit sick. We'll have to wait and see what happens there, of course, but apparently he's actually got relatively minor symptoms. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I myself, I would like to be able to get a test. And yet... In the UK, there are no tests at the moment unless you have got pneumonia. And, I mean, pneumonia is what kills you with coronavirus. Yeah. And in the States, they have an even worse situation in that they have almost no testing going on and the testing that's going on is unrecorded and inconsistent.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, what's going on? It's, it's it, again, like, it goes back to things like class in this country. There, is, there has always been a divide between the people who have money and who don't. The people like Prince Charles he's going to get a test, he's part of the monarchy, he's part of the highest elite in this country, of course he's going to get the test. People who are working class or, and struggling to sort of make ends meet, they're not going to get tests, it's not going to happen, they're going to prioritise the people they think are most important and in this country we have, for, for, well for hundreds of years, but it's been f- further fueled by the Tories kind of reign of terror basically, but they're going to Look out for the people who earn the most money, who own the big businesses, because that's the people they seem as important. Everybody below, they don't. And yes, they're trying to help with things like 80% of people's wages getting paid, and they're trying to do things like that. But it's not happening fast enough to make an actual difference. There's going to be people who will suffer because there's all this uncertainty for a long period of time until that does start coming through.
1: I, I mean, only today I heard, I heard stories on the radio of people trying to go and get universal credit up and running this isn't this is for unemployment benefit because yeah. they were laid off because of the virus and they're saying you know i've got i've got money for two weeks and after that that's it yeah. i've run out how long is it going to take to get these people up and running again yeah. because the government has made a lot of promises but where the hell are these actual actions
0: yeah people need help now whereas you have like tossers like the guy who runs Weather who isn't paying his staff oh. and isn't paying any of his suppliers And that is a massive business.
1: Um, I I mean, I really think that Tim Martin is not a fit and proper person to run a business. I I cannot understand how someone with such a poor attitude towards the real world, like, like facts, he just denies facts. I mean, how stupid do you have to be? And then he's treating his own employees, the people who actually make him money, as if they are worthless. I mean... I cannot understand what goes
0: on in his head, if anything, but that goes back to that special treatment thing. It's like is that kind he came
1: of... out and said he came out and said that coronavirus doesn't spread in pubs. It's just a lie. it's a lie to make money,
2: yeah,
0: I mean how how is that a fit and proper thing to say in a time of crisis like this? and that's why the government's response was so like non. Well, it wasn't really a response for such a long time because, again, it's that oh. Tory mentality of we have to think of the bottom line. But there's certain situations in life where you have to stop thinking about the paycheck and have to start thinking about the actual real world consequences. And f- these are the it's the governments and the business, like the, the owners of large businesses, who should be the ones going. Okay, yes, we're going to financial get a financial hit now, but in the long term, it's the companies that aren't being arseholes now that are going to do better in the long term you know well I mean people if,
1: remember this. if we have a massive shortage of labour because people are ill with the virus because we haven't treated it properly because we haven't contained it because we haven't set up facilities for people to recover quickly from it because pe- because frankly too many people die of it well that's businesses that are going to take that hit if they want to remain profitable it's surely in their long term interests to actually look after people to send people home now so that they can work tomorrow it's completely unrealistic for Tim Martin to freeload off the actions of good businessmen.
0: But a lot of the decisions that have been made are for short-term gain, not for long-term. But Absolutely. the problem is, with this virus, we're in it for the long-term, um, whether that be four or five months or a year. Or, you know, some people are saying it could be up to like 18 months to two years before we have a proper vaccine we can circulate properly. Now, that is that requires long-term thinking. And unfortunately, these short-term money-making schemes... I've actually damaged our country in quite a long. They'll, you know, they will ensure that this virus has long, like, much wider effects than it could have done if we'd have been more proactive and gone right. We're going to have to take a hit now, but in the long term, we will be able to do it. And I can understand like small businesses trying to stay open as long as possible because they don't have the massive kind of corporate machine behind them.
1: They have no. They have no cushion. Yeah. To, to survive this, if they if they aren't open, so I can understand it. But but then, generally speaking, they are consulting with their employees about whether to stay open. Yeah, which is a responsible attitude because if the employee turns around and says I I don't want to work, most of the time they're being sent home.
0: But I'm sorry, and it's okay. But like Sports Direct and places like Weatherspoons, those are massive organisations who, the minute this virus is, over, is like over and people are more confident in going back out there you know they're going to make an absolute bomb you know like places like Weatherspoons. they will do um and so like I'm not one of those people who's going to rant against about capitalism for hours because I will be here for hours this will go on for 15 <laughs> days um and you will get sick of my voice very quickly but the greed that drives the economy is what is holding back our recovery it's why people are going to die when they don't need to it's that underfunding the NHS, but then having tax cuts for the rich. It's stuff like that. It's it's left our country in an absolute, like, sort of deprived, like, what's the word? Like, Our country state. is
1: on its knees. Yeah. There, is no, there is no room for error in anything anymore. And all of a sudden, we have this big error in coronavirus. Yeah.
0: And unfortunately, the, the response to it is that the NHS are doing the best they can. But it's those people with the money and the power that are going to get the best treatment at the end of the day because yeah. they'll better pay their way into better health as well. It's and that's why again going back to the topic. Oh God, we have ranted on about this. But it's why like mm-hmm. I wasn't surprised at all that Prince Charles got a test straight away. It's like because he's deemed important because he's part of the elite. He's part of the monarchy, like the literal top of the tower, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. the poshest people. I-
1: <laughs> I think it's interesting that to, to see how this evolves as well, because it is going to go on for for a very long time. And it, what what's worrying is that there is not necessarily a, a clear path out of this crisis. Now, we see China; they've started relaxing restrictions. But if you relax those restrictions, it's expected and anticipated that the result of that is going to be another increase in cases. Now, yeah. if that's the, if, if if that's so, then again, what do you do? Do you reimpose those restrictions? How long can we literally stay restricted for before it becomes untenable? Not just, you know, in terms of health, but also in terms of economics and in terms of logistics. How long can we stay shut down? I don't think we're getting enough transparency and I don't think there is enough of a plan for the future at the moment. and, And we'll have to watch and wait and see how the Chinese cope and then hopefully before too long how the Italians and the Spanish cope because you know, they are both much further on with this than we are. Um, and, and hopefully that will provide us some, some clues, some guidance. We have to collaborate to get to that stage where we know what to do
0: next. Uh, but I, I, don't, I just don't I don't get the confidence from our government that they're collaborating with... Well, not, no, sorry, they're not collaborating with Europe. We talked about the ventilators earlier. They're not collaborating. So I have no like hope in that they're going to see Italy, who are definitely a few weeks down the line than we are, they're not going to use that information to base like their decision making on. They're going in it blind and hoping for the best. But the problem is, this isn't like there's sort a of situation where we should be doing that. We should be collaborating on a international level um, and t- trying to figure out a way out of this. But the problem is, I see all these little pockets of efforts going along all around the world, and the lack of the collaboration is going to be one of the reasons why the situation lasts longer. I I feel Um, because there'll be a lot of companies trying to develop vaccines who will make a fortune off this if they can get it right Um, but that's not really the sort of thinking we should be using you know um, in my opinion Um, Mm. mm. well
1: it's interesting that you're talking about um, little pockets of people collaborating and working to help each other and of course there have been a lot of good news stories about people helping Um, the elderly who might be self-isolating food banks trying to come together and pool resources and uh, all all, all sorts of community action which I I think is fantastic and and really admirable and um, I know that uh, tonight at 8 o'clock people are meant to be going out and applauding for the NHS Mm -hmm. which is uh, again another fantastic thing to do and a a demonstration of our support for the NHS which hopefully will be lasting Um, but I I, I gather that um, you would like our listeners also to send in any names of organisations that we could support somehow?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so the the situation that like, we we have been going on about the negative aspects of it because it it's you know that it's a very difficult situation we're in, but I love the fact that communities are getting together and supporting people, um, not just the elderly, but people who like just need the support. People are coming together, and what I want to do is if there are any organisations out there or if it's help or even just like artists and creators and people doing work out there, if there's anybody who wants um, us to sort of share that work out with other people or, and stuff like that. And um, in the next episode, we'll, we'd like to feature as much of that as we can. So if you can sort of contact us on social media, that would be fantastic with any links to anything you feel it's important at this time. Cause that is one thing that um, is getting me through this situation and make they, the. Making certain that I don't go crazy is the fact is the support that people are rallying together. I've I've got loads of really nice messages from friends who have been keeping in touch. People that I might have not spoken to in a while, just because of mm. life gets in the way, and they and now getting messages from them now, and it's like, oh, it's nice to hear from you. Like thank you, know. Um. So yeah, I'd like to use this podcast as much as we can as a bit of a platform for showing some of the more positive things that are going on right now, because the world isn't a totally horrible place, like, yes the government are fucking corrupt and incompetent at the same time, but you know most people are looking out for others and that's that's fantastic to see, so yeah if you have anything you would like us to share with the world whether it be artwork or food bank information or just just anything at all please let us know and um, we will feature as much as we can in the next episode I think that would be fantastic try and try and get some positivity out of this situation because the thing is for our long-term like mental health and survival we need to stay positive and we need to celebrate the things like for example clapping for the nhs um there's there's a lot of social media posts of people who we're recording it just after that happened and there's a lot of people showing their support social media is lighting up with people saying thank you to these people and i think we that we need more of that positivity going forward so that you know, the doom and gloom doesn't overwhelm us all, um, I think that, that that would be fantastic, yeah. Absolutely. Okay,
1: well, um, I think that, that does us for the end of the week. It does, uh, yeah. For this week's podcast. What so, a I podcast. Mean, <laughs> if you, well, absolutely. Uh, if you have uh, any of those shout-outs that you'd like to give us or any information that you'd like us to share, uh, or you have any comments on any of the other topics that we've uh, featured this week, uh, you can send us an email um, to another damn conspiracy at protonmail.com. Yeah. Um, you can also send us a voice message and
0: that would be much appreciated. Um Yeah, nobody's used the voice- nobody's used the voicemail service yet. But if you go to Which is a shame. It sounds like fun. Yeah, if you go to Anchor. And if
1: you want to give a literal shout out to one of those services, you can yeah. do
0: it there. But if you go to anchor.fm slash damn conspiracy, there is a on that front page there's a little button that says message. If you click on that Either on the laptop or on a phone, um, you'll, it'll ask you for permission to use your microphone, and then you can send a little voicemail message to us, and we'd be, thankfully, if you have a literal shout out, send us some through there. That'd be fantastic. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. You probably follow us already, but if you don't, it's, it's like at down conspiracy on both of them. Um, but f- thank you very much for sort of sticking to the end. If you did stick to the end, it's um, crazy episode, but um. You know, it's been it's mm. good to be back, and it's um, you know, I, I don't feel totally despairing and depressed about the situation because humanity is showing pockets of decency, and and if we keep building like that up, you know, we're gonna be fine in the end, I think. Um, but yes, we'll be very, we'll be back soon. I know we're gonna have a lot more time on our hands, so we'll try <laughs> yes. try and next time have a bit more of a sort of upbeat show throughout, and um, but yeah, just stay safe and um. Look after each other and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
2: But there's nothing left to say At the end of the day Don't you think it's time to go There's no